Welcome to the Gay Men Going Deeper podcast, a podcast series by the Gay Men's Brotherhood, where we talk about personal development, mental health, and sexuality. I'm your host, Reno Johnston. I'm a spiritual life, love, and business coach. And your panelists today are Warren, the VP of Operations for child care, for a child care franchise. And Warren is also transitioning into erotic therapy of the soul. Keone, a poet, shaman, advocate, and creative entrepreneur. And Phil, a global loneliness thought leader. We're your hosts, your panelists today. And today we are talking about the topic of bullying. So before we dive into the conversation, I want to say a few things about, um, about bullying. Um, I want to invite you, the listeners, um, to create a safe and comfortable space for yourself as you're entering this conversation, because the content can certainly be um, triggering and challenging to listen to. It may bring some things up for you throughout the conversation. And so I invite you to really um, care give yourself and uh, honor yourself throughout this conversation. If something feels particularly challenging, I invite you to maybe take a breath or step away from the conversation and come back to it. Um, and, uh, And I'd like to now define bullying. So bullying is defined as an ongoing and deliberate misuse of power in relationships through repeated verbal, physical, and or social behavior that intends to cause physical, social, and or psychological harm. It's said that about one third of people will experience bullying in their lifetime, either in the classroom, the workplace, online, or outside of these spaces. And so that makes this a particularly important conversation. Global, uh, globally, bullying is um, is something that you know I have come to recognize. We have come to recognize as an issue and an important conversation to be having. Something that follows us in the early years um, in the classroom and into our adulthoods, and is actually quite prevalent right now in the online and digital space as well. And so this conversation, um, now more than ever, feels particularly ripe and important and significant. And I just want to say, as I said earlier, that I am very honored and um, and grateful to be sharing this space with the three of you and 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 those listening and exploring this conversation. So as we as we dig in, um, I want to start with a question for each of you, which is, um, what is your experience with bullying? And why don't we start with you, Warren? I go first. How lovely <laughs> is that? So my experience with bullying actually started before I was even born. Um, you know, so I felt a lot of bullying as a as an infant. There was a lot of people that um, would say very negative things because my coming into this world was not the um, statistical way of getting into this world. Um, so there's a lot of different dynamics, um, but 
the bullying started within my family, within my culture, a Caribbean culture of being a person out of wedlock or being born out of wedlock, not being, my parents were not married when I was born. Um, there was just a lot of different dynamics from that. And then through that, just add on as I got older, like I was a faggot or I was an anti-man. I was this, I was that. So it, it really started at infancy and it prevalent throughout, throughout my childhood, through my, my adolescence. And it caused a lot of strongholds in my life. So. Bill. Mm, um, first of all, uh, like, I uh, want to say hi. Thanks so much for the intro, uh, Reno. What a lovely um, panel to be part of. And I'm coming to everyone from Canberra, Australia's capital city, on the traditional country of the Ngunnawal people. And I humbly acknowledge and pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Um, and uh, I want to, like, say that I've experienced bullying in two main areas of, of life. Uh, I went to a boarding school uh, and any kind of notion that that boarding school kind of was like Hogwarts or uh, I think there was a Canadian um, book uh, like uh, I think there were Bruno and Boots or something and they went to McDonald Hall or something and it was like from the 80s, I think. And boarding school is some kind of like romantic, romanticised sort of rollicking adventure. That really was not my, uh, my experience of boarding school. I grew up in a tiny country town in regional New South Wales um, and the alternative to boarding school was being on a bus an hour to a high school uh, and then an hour home at the end of the day. So boarding school was was kind of like the only real um, real option. You know, I was in year nine and um, I was I was different. Uh, I was the smart kid. I was the unsporty kid. I now know that I was uh, during that time um noticing uh, an interest in uh in boys um and there were people in my dorm uh who um sort of sensed difference sensed weakness um and yeah i i, I lived uh pretty much 24 hours a day uh with with relentless bullying um and uh, the only kind of respite that I got was when I slept. But even then, I had to be careful how I slept. Um, and uh, yeah, so there was there was that experience. But then also in the workplace. Um, so I used to work as uh, a diplomat. Um, and there's an expression in um, like a, a Chinese expression: "The empire is big." and the emperor is far away. Um, and uh, it is like that. It can be like that living uh, and working in an embassy overseas uh, where you are your government, you're representing your government, and the power structure within that is extremely hierarchical and you have 
A-type personalities who really want to make a difference and the support from your employer can be thousands of kilometres, multiple time zones away, uh, and you are essentially on your own. It can be a great environment, but it can also be a horrible environment um, when people want to make a name for themselves, uh, kiss up, kick down, um, type power dynamics uh, um, are at play. And it was a, a terrible, horrible, lonely experience at times, um, both as an adolescent uh, and as a grown-up, um, uh, you know, an, uh, an educated grown-up. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's horrible. And also I will admit, um, and I think we'll get into this uh, in a little while, like I, I have been a bully. Um, I'm not going to say that, you know, I've, I've been entirely victim here. Um, this is this is something that, you know, my way of coping with this was to actually go on the attack as well. Um, and uh, which which is something that is um, is deeply uncomfortable. Mm. Thanks for sharing that, Phil. Um, I'm 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 curious if you want to say I know you mentioned we might go into it a bit more later on but i'm curious if you want to say a little bit more about about what you just shared as far as mm. as as far as being in that role the role of the yeah. of the bully as well yeah yeah so particularly um you know i wasn't i wasn't a big kid i i wasn't um you know i was pretty uh what we'd say i i guess it's you know it's universally expression they're pretty weedy um and and very bookish and I realized that, you know, I, while I could run kind of fast, I couldn't like hold, like I couldn't defend myself physically. Um, so I protected myself uh, through my wit and my intellect uh, and developed a really sharp tongue. Um, and if someone, if I was feeling threatened um, or there was the hint of feeling threatened, uh, I would go, I would get you back first. Um, and uh, the, the the sharpness of my tongue was, uh, and the quickness of my wit uh, got me through things, but they also led me to say some pretty horrible things to people um, in an effort to stay safe in myself, but also, you know, it's a horrible way. I could say this is a you know forty six year old man. It's a horrible way of uh, um, of of doing that, making other people feel as bad as I feared they would make me feel. Um, that was uh, that was where that came from. But you know, a defense mechanism from from adolescence, really. Thank you for sharing that, Phil. Yeah. And Kioni, what about yourself? What What is your experience with bullying? Hi, everyone. It's really lovely to be here. Um, thank you, Warren and Phil, for sharing. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I would say that my, my understanding of bullying from this perspective is that it is related to power, related to feeling an absence of power, um, feeling that maybe the only way to 
achieve power is to take that from someone else. So my earliest memories of it, I think, would be with the dynamic between my parents. Um, you know, my mum's my position as a, as a very intelligent woman in a very patriarchal society in the 1970s, try, trying to uh, experience, trying to, trying to feel like she had power. Um, and my father's experience in the same sort of society, um, being expected to wield power and not necessarily uh, feel like an innate quality with that. So getting really drunk and then becoming really abusive. So my experience growing up was of, you know, the kind of almost like the erosion, the erosive quality of bullying, the way that it's about, um, you know, it's like a drip on on kind of chalk, just kind of wearing away and and the and the and the terrible sadness and um suffering that you know goes with it. Um and then my own experience um as a as a young queer was you know just feeling continually like I was you know I was I was the the object I was the object of ridicule I was I was I was you know there was there was no narrative of um kind of support and uh and no kind of recognition like kind of positive reinforcing recognition of difference there was just alienation um belittlement um you know it was it was as as, as I think probably is going to come out here already has come out already will come out more may resonate with people just you know when you're different and and you're in school environments where almost universally you're dealing with kids who don't have power you know who are children in an adult world and who are desperately looking to try and get power wherever they can then the people who stand out as different are the they're the they're the big bright shiny target and um and so that kind of never that never left <laughs> that never that never was anything other than than that so you know it was either about you know being like fat or it was about i mean <laughs> it was about being fat it was about being camp it was about you know standing a particular way it was about lisping it was about and then and you know the more that um you know my my mom kind of said in horror at me and was like, I, I need to put you in some kind of environment that is going to make you different, that is going to make you straight, that is going to bring you into line, then the more, like, contrasting that difference because... <laughs> um, And I, I, I don't know, I'm really, you know, I think, I think to some degree, the the poison and the medicine dance really close together, so the poison of bullying is absolutely related to the medicine of transformation and strength. I couldn't imagine being all the kinds of crazy I am in the world right now, were it not for all those instances. And Phil, absolutely, you know, I have, I have an abiding pain when I remember my experience to one of my closest friends who was more camp than me and more effeminate 
and turning on him as an act of being able to achieve some kind of power within myself and and kind of going okay i'm not right at the bottom of this heap you know and yeah it's it's, it's something that it's something that i hold dear to me as a reminder of how not to behave um so yeah beautiful shares thank yeah thank you all for sharing um where to start where to start uh you know some uh i believe it was warren who said it began before before birth and i mean there were so many brilliant things said just now and and i can really relate to that um I, I shared this in a previous podcast episode we'd recorded, but I said, um, you know, I'm the dream of my ancestors. I think it's a quote by Maya Angelou. And, um, you know, it's really my sense that like we carry, we carry that energy and that ancestral energy in our, in our, you know, in our skin, in our DNA, in our physiology um, that we are, you know, in, in many ways still kind of, healing from and processing um the impacts of ancestral bullying you know um whether it was witch burnings or you know whether it was like slavery or what have you you know the list goes on and on and on we've seen this we've seen this again and again and again um and you know i'm my i'm my mother's son and my father's son my my you know my grandmother's grandson and my grandfather's grandson and and so um I'm very much aware of like the 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 impact that I that that has had on me that I carry that within me. Um I was born into an environment where I was very much loved by the women around me um and and also some of them had struggled with their own experiences around abuse. Um and I would say I was also loved by the men um and the environments that I found myself in, my, myself in, um, was both challenging at times. Like there was a lot of love, but there was also a lot of struggle. And sometimes that manifested uh, in terms of, um, in 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 ways that were manipulative um you know there was like there were power imbalances there was like you know there was control there was manipulation there was passive aggress uh passive aggression etc and some of my earliest memories of that taking place were like just observing for example um domestic violence in some of the environments i'd been in just seeing it firsthand um and then later in my own life being in um like receiving let's say like receiving um you know spankings or um in my neighborhood there were actually boys that lived um just across the field from me and it wasn't even safe for me to like leave the house sometimes because i knew that the moment i stepped outside i was a target you know small sensitive black feminine um expressive colorful curious like you know there may as well have been a bullseye on my back essentially you know and I can laugh about it now 
right? Um, at the time, it was it was really challenging. It was really challenging, and um, you know, if you can imagine, like a you know a seven year old boy, a ten year old boy, um, and I use the term boy loosely because honestly, even back then. I was they, them, you know, I, I never really identified with the gender that I was given and the sort of social norms and requirements associated with that gender either. I just thought this is, gosh, this is not me. And so again, that made me a target as well. Um, and I saw this continue in high school. And even before that, like, bless his heart, you know, he was only enacting what he had learned himself. But my dad even used to say sometimes, like, put some bass in your voice, you know. Um, and then I used to get it in school. And, and like, it just, it, it was almost as if sometimes I couldn't, like, I couldn't do anything right. And I was always kind of a target. It was like, you know, it was too much or too little or not enough. Um, and... You know, I'll acknowledge as well, and we'll probably get into this as as you said uh, later on. But I too found myself becoming the bully because, uh, you know, as a byproduct of my conditioning, it was like, oh, okay, well, this is where power comes from, as I currently see it. This is where power and safety, you know, quote unquote, safety and power, these and belonging come from, and so this is how. This is how I need to get that, you know, um, fire with fire, right? I would later learn that there were other ways, but at the time I did what made sense to me as we do, right? And so I find myself in a place of, for the most part, forgiveness toward, and I guess we'll get to that. I'm jumping the gun here, but just to say that um, it's clear to me that I was doing what made sense to me at the time, as were the people who were engaging with me in said ways. Um, and so, well, I'll get to that later. But adulthood, um, I would say less, less bullying, but it did come up. There were some moments where I was out at the, the bar, the club or on the street and, you know, people are calling me faggot or nigger or what, you know, whatever it is, right. Um, insert slur here. And so it, it, it didn't really end after high school. Um, but it is certainly lessened. It is certainly lessened. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that I would say that in summary is is my overall experience of bullying. Um so I'm I'm curious now that we've all had the opportunity to share our experiences with bullying. What I'm wondering and we kind of touched on this is how did your experiences with bullying impact your life beyond the initial experience or experiences? And some of you have touched on this, but yeah, let's let's hear more. So for me, um, how bullying has impacted um, my life and my experience, it allowed me to have a very strong hold in regards to forming relationships and distrust with people. I could not trust people. Um, you know, I was, um, I moved from, um, I, I was born in New York and then I moved to Texas, completely culture shocked. 
And I dealt with so much bullying when um, when I moved to Texas when I was 11 years old because I was the only minority in my class. Um, very, 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 um, very, very, um, I won't say toxic situation, but very um, uncomfortable um, experiences because, you know, the students, the children, my peers around me, they didn't see people like me in their neighborhood, in their community. So they were only doing what they thought was funny, what they thought was, you know, whatever they was doing. So, you know, all those experiences, like people coming to my house and throwing tacos and, you know, just all of this stuff and pushing me down the stairs and, you know, just calling me all sorts of names that really placed a void in my heart and being called monkey and how I needed to go back to Africa and just, you know, just all of those hurtful things. It placed um, a lot of, um, a lot of strongholds. And I keep going back to the word strongholds, but literally I remember going into uh, going into um, my new environment, my new school, very confident, very happy, coming from New York City, and now being told that I'm too dark, that I need to go to Africa, and no 11 year old boy that wants to be accepted and love wants to hear all of these negative things. So I gave my power into these lies. How it was ugly being dark and how I needed to bleach my skin and, you know, all of this stuff. So, you know, I was very um, privileged as a child. I had access to a lot of things. So I would go and buy bleaching creams and, you know, all of the stuff that most people would not have access to. Because of all of these toxic words and all of these experiences being pushed down and getting bruises and cuts and having to um, make lies to my mom. Like, oh, like I fell down the playground or, you know, some type of excuse because I didn't want to address um, the issue. And even if I did want to address the issue, the school administrators Again, they only knew what they knew. They could not help me. I have tr like we had tried to intervene. My parents had intervened, um, but they it just fell on deaf ears. So it literally felt like I was navigating um, the school system here um, in Texas at the time by myself because no one could have helped me. So it was just a very lonely painful experience and then when I became an adult it just when I entered the gay community it's like I was a magnet and I would just give my love to any man you know I was sexually assaulted multiple times I was drug raped I was just a lot of stuff because I was seeking a lot of validation and love that I did not find my family system and that's just because of just how the system is it's basically like cut and dry like no I love you and I could not find that connection within my peers to have friendships and bond and whatnot because of my skin color of how I sound um very different than the typical norm at that time and then you know yeah so that's just how all of the, that impacted in my life and then through my 20s going through all of the sexual assault and this 
a lot of stuff. <laughs> Let me just put it like that. Just a lot of stuff, a lot of strongholds. And um, even to this day, I have a lot of self-image issues um, just because um, of the things I've done and said in my past. Like I was suicidal. I told myself I would kill myself. I would never be in a relationship. I would never be loved. There's all of these negative things just because of an initial bullying experience um, when I moved here in 2000. So I'll leave it there. Thanks for sharing, Warren. It's, um, it's hard it's hard at this point to not engage in comparative and competitive bullying experiences, I'm going to say, because what I'm saying to myself right now is just like, I'm going to swear here. So I guess if tenderies want to turn off for a moment, but like, holy shit, like <clears throat> the things that we, that we go through, um, uh, and, and I feel so many of us, you know, if not, so many of us, all of us have these kind of experiences that are so formative that go, as Warren, you just said, you know, down like to, to a bullying experience. And how horrible, how horrible we can be to each other. And for me, my sort of like the, the impact of my like being the uh, on the receiving end of some pretty horrible bullying and Warren in a similar way. Like I didn't have an out. I didn't have an out. I was asking for ways out, but I was told essentially toughen up, toughen up, put your big boy pants on. Um, the, the words that I hate right now, like man up, like this is how it is. Like get in there, like make, like, you know, you know, toughen up. And again, you know, this is like 1991 regional, uh, like regional Victoria, uh, where the boarding school um, was. And, you know, that was the advice. Like you, you just had to sort of suck it up and get going. And there was an option. There was an option that I entertained and I attempted suicide as a 14 year old. Because uh, that was the way out. And for a long time, I kept that in my back pocket. It's like, okay, if all this goes to shit, if I can't deal with it, well, then that's that's the way out. Like, if no one else is going to give me a way out, then that's the way out. Um, but on reflection, you know, years later, um, you know, the, the the way that I I I coped with this is I took on the bullies' voices in my own head. Um, I started to believe what they said and embarked on a constant journey. I hate that word. Um, constant quest in life to improve, to give bullies one less thing. Uh, so I aim for it for, for perfection. Perfection in words, in thoughts, in actions, um, in uh, in appearance, because perfection was the way that, like, there were no handles for others to 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 you know, there were no cracks really. And so, if I was perfect, I would give no one anything. And and so, I developed this 
hideous self-talk, hideous self-talk. And that self-talk ruled my life for such a long time until you know, I, I did some work. And now I have named that that voice who is like the voice of a scared, terrified 14-year-old boy. Um, I've named him the name of like the chief protagonist in that bullying story when I was 14. And so now I have, um, uh, I think I'm answering the next question, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I've named him. And so I can actually now talk to him. I've named like that voice that is me, that the, the voice that I, I created to keep me safe. Um, and to keep me safe by say, like making me terrified of my own thoughts. Um, but that, that voice that I developed completely ruled my life. I would stay quiet. I would stay silent. I would want to hide in the shadows. I would only want to be seen when I knew that I could not be criticized. I wouldn't say anything until I knew I wouldn't be criticized. I wouldn't, you know, do anything until I knew that I would nail it. Um, and that absolutely like ruled my life for you know about 30 years afterwards thank you for sharing phil kioni sorry just getting my mute off um it's really humbling to hear you it's really really humbling Lauren and Phil um Reno yeah I mean I find myself listening and nodding and I also you know Reno when you got in touch with me with this word bullying I was like oh you know I could feel the voice inside me the now voice kind of going oh, I don't feel like I'm being bullied and then and now it's kind of like peeling back layers of wolfing you know, kind of going, ah, oh, it's a really nice wallpaper that doesn't involve any bullying. And then going, oh, yeah, but what's, oh, yeah. You know, one of the biggest things for me, I think, as a as a kid that I, that I've been, I've been really kind of bringing into the light recently is how this, this, this sense of, sh you know, what it is about shame. Um, and what I've realized is that we only need to be shamed once by someone else, only once. And once that's happened, there is something so viral so contagious about the experience that, that we then take that on we then take that on and then we we say that we say all of that stuff to us what's wrong with us what's wrong with you what are you doing you're so weird oh you're so you're such a fag look at you you know and that that was for me the way that bullying evolved initially as a as kind of myself uh, um kind of yeah you know doing the bullies work for them they don't have to do anything they don't have to do fuck all after that sorry um the, the the next stage you know that i can i can remember was yeah working on what what was my asset what was the thing that i could pull on to um to to stop to stop the the attacks and and for me, that you know, that was that was clowning. You know, that was like, okay, I'm going to be 
I'm going to be ridiculous before you can get me. I'm going to, I'm going to pratfall before you can knock me over. And that, that was my, that was my way through the majority of high school. I was in a, like a state school in, in Cardiff where, where I am now. Um, and, and how that then evolved for me, you know, as a, as a defense mechanism, as a protection was, kind of very much linked to any kind of substance use that I could find that would that would f- fulfill that that would just basically stop all of the the rage and the and the and the upset the confusion the all of all of the real you know the 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 wounding any of the engagement with the wounding just keep that all again as far away from me as possible and so yeah whatever substances were, were working at the time they they were my they were my go-to the interesting thing that also i can i can remember then from a from a sexualized point of view was the way that the bully that, that i would eroticize the bullying how so powerfully these figures became you know like like erotic charges how anything that placed me in a position of powerlessness and placed whoever it was in a position of power, you know, the, how much charge there was behind that. And it, and it is, was a huge, you know, and it did, you know, the, the, the tipping point for me was trying to take my life in when I was 26. And that was a real, you know, that was, mostly because all the elastic had stretched as far as it could from you know trying to get away from from what what I was feeling and and once that had kind of snapped me then it was like okay there's nowhere else to go but into this this is this is where it begins um so yeah who yeah, thank you for your all your shares. Um <laughs> I think it's safe to say that I am still um navigating the long-term effects of 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 bullying and and it feels like such an important an important and honest thing to say, you know, at the ripe old age of 35, right? Um, um, and some of you who are older than me are probably rolling your eyes like, bitch, what are you talking about? Um, but, you know, even even now, and just to paint a picture of, of how impactful we are, you know, we all are. Um, at 35, I'm still healing from the impacts of, you know, those experiences. Um, what I what I noticed was that it got easier to navigate those challenges um, when alcohol was introduced. You know, I started drinking at 13. Um, I wanted to fit in. <laughs> and it seemed interesting. And and I continued to drink, you know, well into adulthood. Um, although back then, like you were getting wasted, you know, because that's that's what you did in the small town. And I forgot to add, 
I spent five and a half years of my life. Like, so I grew up in government housing and, you know, and, and if you're familiar with government housing, those neighborhoods, um, they're, they're diverse, um, they're low income and they come with their own unique set of challenges and characters. And so, um, you know, I had to be tough. And while I wasn't physically tough, um, as Phil had said earlier, I had a way with words. My mom said something to me once. I remember she said to me, um, she said she moved us to this rural community that I'm about to mention um, because she was afraid that my sister would end up pregnant and me and my two brothers would end up in gangs. And I remember saying to my mom, I was like, you thought I would end up in a gang? And she said, I said, what would they want with me? Like, I'm skin and bones and way too cute and all of that. You know, why? like, why would they want me? She said, Reno, you would have been the ringleader. You know, like you, like you, they would want you for your brains, for your strategy, for your, you know, and I had totally written all of that off. I wasn't even thinking about that. She's like, you'd be quietly running the show behind the scenes and and no one would know and i thought wow i never thought of that you know and 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 so you know she moved us to this rural town and i was the only black kid in my high school and so it was kind of like out of the frying pan and into the fire like at least there i had some friends i had managed to befriend some of my bullies and um, that was really interesting uh and, you know, as as Keone had mentioned earlier, I had eroticized some of them as well. You know, it was like, oh, my bullies are so sexy, which is like this crazy fucked up thing. But also, like, I totally get it, you know. Um, and then I moved to this small rural town. I'm the only black kid in my high school. And um, again, that came with its own unique set of challenges. You know, there was racism, there was homophobia, you know, there was femphobia. Um, and I, here I am trying to sort of do everything that I can to belong and fit in. So, you know, I'm going through this kind of wild identity crisis, which in a way I think I carried into my adulthood. You know, it was like, who am I when I don't give a shit about what other people think? And I struggled to answer that question and find that person for, for years, you know? Um, I struggled with an eating disorder as well, you know, because again, if we're going to talk bullying, sometimes it comes in the form of, you know, that, that like, that like popular guy or girl in school who's like really mean and, you know, obviously a bully to the bullying that I perceive we experience like socially and in the media, you know, um, it's, it's, it's covert, but it's there. And it, it followed me into adulthood, you know, um, hated my skin color, hated the way I looked, you know, was, was, was struggled with bulimia and, and, you know, was was too skinny wasn't skinny enough skinny enough you know um was too black wasn't black enough like it, i mean it was everything and then and then it also really affected my relationships to men and i think people in general i struggled with trust 
I struggled with trust. And so my relationship to men was I was either flirting with them, fucking them or fighting with them. You know, the three F's Um, because I didn't know how to have any other relationship with them. Really, you know, they were they were friends sometimes. I, I think that's worth acknowledging. And they were probably confused in some cases as well, probably around like, what what is going on with this human? Um, well, what was going on with me was, you know, the after effects of like dealing with everything that I had had gone through and reconciling with all of that. That's what was that was that's what was going on with me. And so, you know, well into adulthood, it it affected my sex life. It affected my relational life. It affected my you know, my identity, it affected how I moved in the world or didn't, you know, how I showed up in spaces or didn't. So uh, ripples, 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 ripples. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I would say, I would say that about, that about covers it, you know? And I think one thing that I really want to say in this moment is that this is just, the beginning of this conversation you know um this is a is it's a deep and and timeless and nuanced and challenging conversation and so i just want to acknowledge that in this moment that we're not going to cover it all but let it be the beginning let it be an invitation you know to explore this topic further you know so um, I want to pose another question to you all, uh, which is, you know, would would you say that you have healed from some of those experiences? And if so, um, what made that possible? So for me, like my healing is always continual like the journey of life is always a journey. It's, it's always continuing. But I had like a come to Jesus moment or a come to divine moment, I should say, when I was 26. And literally I was 26 years old and I was feeling like crap. I just, it was just not a good place. And how I started that process of healing is that I surrendered. I just surrendered and said, you know what? I cannot do this by myself. So I channeled my higher self, did not know what I was doing. Um, you know, I, I believe in divine timing. I had someone at that time that was um, in the shamanic world that is still in the that is in the shamanic world because they, they are still in the shamanic world. Um, basically um, talk to me and, you know, just kind of voice a couple of things like plant medicine, ayahuasca and peyote and just those types of plant medicines. And at first I kind of rejected it, but then I remembered a time where I felt the essence of the magic. Uh, it felt very different. It felt like I was being communicated by my higher self. And, um, accepted that invitation and through that through that experience I was able to connect to like unconditional love so this is the love that I've always been seeking for all my life to be loved and not be considered as a 
isolated or just oh that kid that was adopted or just like I didn't want to be I didn't want a label on top of me right so um through that I was able to connect with something that would allow me to start healing the wounds of all of the pain at that time for 26 years and you know there has been challenges with more work of doing this in the shamanic world. There is more challenges that come up. Um, but for me, I it allows me to kind of investigate and be curious and really build the faith within myself and the trust within myself to know that everything is going to be okay. Every experience in my life has been for divine purpose. And, you know, I know you mentioned at the beginning of the call that, you know, I, I work in early care and education. I, the reason why I believe, and I've been told the reason why I do work with children is because I wanted to provide the safe haven to children that I did not have in the early years. I can honestly say right now on this call, in the last 17 years, I'm actually about to retire in December. For 17 years, it has always been my mission to allow every child to come to school to be safe and to be loved and to make friends. And I am so happy that I have been able to accomplish that mission because every child that I have had the privilege of um, you know, supervising, being part of my programs, they know that Mr. Warren cares about them and loves them. And it's just, it's, it's amazing to see kids like 18 years old when they were babies, right? So um, yeah, so that's how I've been able to heal. And that's how I've been able to 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 give back to other people, to children, is really doing the work on myself and asking the why questions, like how, no, not the why questions, the how questions. How can I be of service? How can I use my ex past experiences to be of service for those around me? And the answers are always revealed to me. Oh, beautiful. Thank you, Warren. Sending you so much love. Yeah. I, uh, I think that's awesome. Um, and uh, I want to say that... <clears throat> Something that you just said, Warren, really stuck with me, and it's, you know, accepted the invitation. Um, and oftentimes I want to control everything because control helped get me through days safely. And I like to call myself now a reforming, control-seeking enthusiast. Um, because control freak, that's that's very judgmental. Um, so I, I, I'd say, you know, a control-seeking enthusiast. And it is so hard for me to let go, uh, to let go and accept what is rather than uh, hold on and create what I think should be. Um, and for me... Where I said um, a little earlier that, you know, I wanted uh, to be perfect. <clears throat> and I got really good at that. I got really good at saying the right things to the right people at the right time to get the right outcome. 
and, you know, showing up in the right way, um, showing up in the world, doing the things that I thought everybody expected me to do and doing them well. The smile on my face and a whistle on my lips. I got really fucking good at that, right? And that strategy was awesome until it really wasn't. It like fell a heap, it fell in an absolute heap. Um, and I was staring down an abyss. And that abyss for me, I now know was loneliness. I did not know who I was. I did not know how I was. All I knew was that I was getting to my late 30s and I had done everything that was I thought was expected of me, got into a good university, did great there, got into a great job, was doing great in that, was kicking goals, was doing all of the things, um, was living my dream. Um, but I wasn't, I wasn't being me. I wasn't being me. And I did not want to be lonely. I really, I would have taken anything else, but loneliness just seems so sad, so needy, so clingy. But Warren, what you said, like I, I, that really resonated with me. Loneliness was my invitation. It was, it was, I don't know call it what you will, like fate, divine intervention, like whatever, whatever. But I did not want to accept it at all. I was like, no, pass. No, no, I'm going to try again. I'm going to like double down on perfection yet again, just in case this time I nail it. Um, And yeah, my, like the, the emptiness within me, paying attention to that was the invitation. And um, that the accepting the invitation that was my loneliness helped me feel more connected to me, helped me heal, helped me understand myself, helped me to love myself. It's the, the glorious, fucked up, like amazingly weird human that I am. Um, and helped me begin to show up in the world as me. And then, as Warren, you said, you know, um, in in service. That was the key. Uh, like going within helped me find, you know, who I am. God, that sounds like a Hallmark card, doesn't it? But uh, <laughs> like, and it makes it sound so easy. But as of course, as we know as humans, it's it's really not easy, but uh it might not be easy, but almost always I, I'm yet to think of an exception, it is worth it. It is worth it because like, you know, when we accept our own worthiness, there's there's so much power in that. Thank you, Harbor. Ha- thank thank you, Hallmark Phil. <laughs> That's beautiful. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing. Keone. Yeah, I I was really I was really touched by a lot of what you said to Warren uh, as well. I I and I found myself nodding as well to many things such as, you know, the the power 
the, the real power and the grace of the of the shamanic path of of connecting with you know my celtic indigenous ancestors connecting with the land connecting with animals i mean one of the one of the core practices for me within that process was connecting with my power my power animal and recognizing that my power was in animal form um to even have a an appreciation that power wasn't even human was was uh was elemental was was raw was was feline was cat was jungle was sweat was all of these things that just moved me so much away from the kind of the beige the paradigm of you know like broadcast media of fucking soap operas of you know all the rest of it you know it it was that was that was just magic i mean it was magic and and that hasn't gone anywhere you know because because that's our divinity that is that is for me that is our existence as you know moments of the divine in in conversation with ourselves all around um it's a practice there's no there's no fucking healed you know it's a practice as as soon as you feel like something might be something might be coming together some other bit is falling apart i mean this is mortality this is you know i'm i mean reno bless you baby 35 i can't even remember 35 i think my skin was a lot flatter then but you know, I just turned fifty. I'm in the middle of my Chiron returns. Like I am, I am back. I am literally speaking to you live from my childhood bedroom. And what's so fascinating about this conversation is that I've been really, you know, this was a this was in the phrase of the Pet Shop Boys, the place I waited years to leave. And I, if you had said to me at any point before last year you're going to spend your 50th birthday in your childhood bedroom living there i'd have been like are you on glue like this is never going to happen and it's been the most incredible experience because it's like it's the spiral you know we're so we've all of us we're all of us you know kind of um tarred almost kind of polluted with patriarchy with this you know this, this huge model of kind of like a learning of how not to live for thousands of years which we can dust off but you know the spiral is reminding us that the nature of life is to return to exactly where we were and to witness transformation to witness where we have been and how much has changed and so there's something i think as well psychologists talk about coming to the age of 49 as completing the seven seven of the seven year cycles and then you find yourself returning to the to the core and so this for me the Chiron returns moment is is coming back to the core wound and and feeling what has what has changed and and I guess stepping into stepping into the next the next part so yeah the healing is ongoing I find myself I find myself more vigilant about the voice inside me that wants or that 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 knows as a default how to bully and meeting that voice with compassion um meeting that voice with grace and then being able 
to extend that to every conversation, every encounter that is happening beyond. You know, we're we're at a time now where people's disempowerment and people's anger and pain and frustration is is so palpable in so many places around you know people snapping and whether that's on social media or in a traffic jam just you know just erupting and um and i feel like to be able for for any and all of us which is what's amazing about being part of this space here but for any and all of us to be able to move through that world and and help to be in service as has been said by both of you Warren and Phil to be in service to the collective to to help people find their power and find their way then I mean that's kind of what it is and I think one more thing I'm obsessed about Andrew Tate at the moment um but I'm also really intrigued as to how he seems to be doing the very opposite. He seems to be attempting to increase his personal power by removing power from others. So if nothing else, like let let that be a model of maybe, you know, how we can do things differently, how we, you know, we can, we can all rise here. We can all help each other like no one it doesn't have to come at anyone's expense for us to feel good about ourselves well y'all have said it all (laughs) wow wow um yeah it's it's ongoing, you know, it's ongoing. It was said here, it's it's ongoing. Um, it's an ongoing journey. And um, it was said in a bunch of different ways, but there's, you know, there's, I, I love this quote. If you bring forth what is within you, what is within you will save you. If you do not bring forth what is within you, what is within you will destroy you. Thank you, St. Thomas. Um, that's it for me. And there's so much depth to that, 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 that quote. Um, what makes sense to me is that, you know, it has been through my willingness to, to enter the wound, to suck the poison out, to alchemize it, and turn it into something beautiful, love, service, you know, we named it here. Um, That has been my healing. And so the very thing that was my hell um, has also become a gift in a way. And it feels so strange to say that, you know, especially if someone listening right now is still just like in the thick of it or is not there yet. It's like my heart my heart like sincerely goes out to you because I can remember so many times when, you know, people would say things like this to me and I was just like, yeah, I get it. But like, fuck off, you know, I'm still in it. Leave me alone. Um, so if you're feeling that way, you're not alone. I like, I, I, I've been there. And then, and then one day when I least expect it, I'm like, Oh, 
that's what mom was talking about you know it's like oh fucking mom always right <laughs> you know <laughs> but 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 um yeah yeah it's it's ongoing and to be honest like I wouldn't trade nothing for my journey now you know it's like it's beautiful it's messy it's beautiful it's been hard but it's great it allows me to have conversations like this with amazing people like you um you know, this is what we're up to. And I think one of the biggest things that has supported me in this ongoing healing journey, you know, that that word <laughs> journey uh, is is. Um, at some point, the wisdom of maturity really kicked in and it was like, oh, we're all just doing what makes sense to us in the moment always we're only ever always doing what makes sense to us in the moment including myself and so it was almost like it wasn't like i was letting him off the hook like oh it's okay that you did what you did to me you know it wasn't that it was like oh right like we're kind of in the same club like we're a, a different club but like the same club you know it's like i'm just doing my best i'm just doing what made sense to me what makes sense to me you were just doing what made sense to you. You gave the love that you had available, you know, um, or whatever it was, you know, what was there was there. And that has really helped me just kind of let go. And like I said, not let them off the hook, but let myself off the hook, you know, so that I could just like get on and live and not continue repeating the same hurt over and over and over and over again you know because that my friends is the definition of insanity and i have no interest in living in insanity you know um i i, I wish to live in the miraculous and the beautiful and the wonderful and the you know the juicy and the yeah all of that so last question um I love that we find ourselves in a place of levity as we're approaching the end of this conversation. And if you're listening and you don't feel like you're there right now, that's also okay. Truly, sincerely, genuinely. Um, it is all welcomed here, you know? And I think that itself is part of healing is to welcome it all. Um, so the last question, and perhaps we'll keep the answers a little brief, but but also equally authentic and sincere. What wisdom would you provide to someone who's navigating bullying or, you know, or sort of recovering from it? Yeah. So, sorry. <laughs> the advice, the wisdom that I will provide is that it gets better. And I know that statement is being, it can be thrown so many different ways. It gets better. It gets better. But experiences in my life have showed me that, um, just like you were saying, we know, you know, experiences in my life has shown me that the people that were bullying me, it comes back in some type of form. So the people that were calling me faggot, queer, this, that, they have had a situation that in their lives that either they themselves realized their truth of being queer or whatever they were calling me, like they were utilizing their 
defense mechanism back then, or they have a loved one, like maybe a child or a parent or someone that has now come out. So those actions that they were doing at 12, 13 years old, they may not do it right now because someone in their bloodline is, you know, gay, right? So, um, you know, the wisdom that I can just say is just unconditionally love yourself. You know, at the end of the day, what I had to realize is that, you know, when I make myself happy, when I love myself, like everything else doesn't matter, right? So everything, my power is controlled by the love that I give myself. Like I'm the only person that can hold me um, to all of my goals and dreams. So when I continue just living in passion and love, yeah, I'm going to have all of this negativity around me. I cannot stop that. The only person that I can stop is myself believing in those lies. And when I'm embodying my truth and my authenticity, that is my key. That is my permission to live my life to the fullest. So that's my wisdom. I love that. <clears throat> um, I've got three pieces of advice. Um, one is very practical. Uh, and if you find yourself in a situation where you are being bullied, and that might be in the workplace, document it, document it, document it, document it. Do not rely on your own um, recollection of events afterwards, but document it, document it, document it how you feel, how you felt, um, uh, like what was said to the best of your recollection, times, dates, who was there, who could possibly witness it, but document it, document it, document it. Um, in an environment, uh, in workplaces where I have witnessed bullying, where I have been bullied, um, that stuff is gold. Um, and uh, it's hard to do when you're in the midst of it, um, but uh, set aside some time. And essentially, when you are being bullied at work, that feels like it becomes your job. Um, uh, and um, yeah, like, but but do that. Secondly, if you are um, working through some some issues and and some trauma. Uh, that have come up from being bullied uh, in your past or currently, and that might be capital T trauma or little t trauma. Trauma is trauma. Um, uh, work with yourself, particularly if you are bullying yourself. You're calling, you're saying yourself, uh, saying the most horrid things to yourself. Um, with love and curiosity, because judgment rarely helps. Um, uh, judgment rarely makes things better. Uh, but with love and curiosity, start working with yourself. Um, and my last tip is you are always worthy of love and belonging right now, just as you are. And if you want like any kind of reminder of that, if you want me to put on a cheerleader's outfit and be your number one cheerleader, oh my God, it is a privilege and an honor to do that because your worthiness is never up for debate. It can never be up for debate. 
you cannot even question your own worthiness. It simply is. It's a fact. And then once we accept our worthiness for love and belonging, great things happen. But like take back that power and, you know, the, the, the bullies want to take that from you, but it's not yours to give to them and they can't take it. But they're my three. I love that, Phil. Um, yeah, the bullies, the bullies can't, the bullies can't take it from you, but you can give them the power. So that that's really like just remember that, like on a soul level, like soul loss, soul theft, as it happens, is happening because we give something away. We agree to it on a soul level, um, and that might not make any sense somebody hearing it right now it might make sense to someone um what i found really helpful was dancing um i think dancing is pure pure medicine whatever that dance is if that dance is rocking on the floor if that dance is cowering in a corner if that dance is screaming and shrieking whatever your dance is wherever you are dance it dance it out go to the lip of the ocean and scream roll around just allow yourself to be embodied in your body and feel that potency. Um, and the other thing I'd say is what you're most frightened of right now, what terrifies you the most is, is your gatekeeper to your power. So feel it and, and go towards it. And yeah, and, and happy journey fuck how exciting like at some point we stop breathing like everything's a bonus that's all that's all wow uh well i guess in honor of threes um you know number one your experience is valid your experience is valid. Do you know how many times I encountered, you know, uh, people and fact, you know, quote, I, I use this quote and quote facts and, and it, like, we're familiar with the term gaslighting, right? And if you're not, look it up, um, you know, but like, what I have come to 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 really learn and like and like um and welcome is my capacity to feel and to like sense things, you know, beyond their facts and their righteousness and all of that. And that has become my superpower and my secret weapon when I'm moving through a world that would lead me astray. And into the, the 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 belief and the idea that I'm not enough, that I'm not worthy, that I'm not you know that I'm not worthy of love, that I don't have enough, that I'm not okay, um, that 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 the behaviors that were enacted on me were somehow acceptable. It's like absolutely not, you know. I know all I have to do is listen to my body, and I know. Oh, uh, it's not safe here. 
I that something about what they're saying feels off. They're saying all the right things, but in my body, in my body, this does not feel accurate. I'm going to trust that and listen to that. That wisdom has been with me. It remains with me. And I trust it probably more than anything, anything other than and and they're they're one and the same. I was gonna say anything other than God, spirit, you know, divine, mother, whatever you want to call it. Um, to sanctuary, you know, I, I, I would say like, find it outside in nature, cultivate it in your inner world, spending time out, uh, in, in, in space that feels like sanctuary, external space and internal space, cultivating an internal space like that. Oh, godsend, you know, I thank God for my grandmother, for example. Bless her heart, God rest her soul. She was sanctuary, you know. Um, and and because I learned what sanctuary felt like, I now continue to move in the direction of that, you know. Um, and three, my mess is my millions, you know. Your mess becomes your millions. It's like millions of lives changed millions of dollars millions of meaningful moments you know it's like that all came from that mess my mess you know and i believe with all my heart and all my soul and all my experience that that is possible for for everyone you know that is possible for everyone your mess is your millions and with that, I want to say thank you, you know, from the bottom of my heart to to you, Warren, to you, Keone, to you, Phil, for being here today, for participating in this conversation. Again, this is, it's the beginning, it's not the end. Um, it's the beginning of this conversation, it's not the end. And um, below, if you're listening to this on podcast or YouTube, there will be links to resources if you're currently experiencing bullying or someone you know is currently experiencing bullying. You can use those links and those resources to reach out um, as well. We offered you some, there was some great advice and guidance offered in today's conversation. We'll continue these discussions on the last Thursday of every month in the Gay Men's Brotherhood Zoom Hangout, where you'll have a chance to share your own experiences. This podcast and YouTube channel are listener and viewer supported. So if you enjoy what we're creating, you can support us by making a donation to the show using the link in the show notes. You can also subscribe to the early access option on Apple Podcasts, listen ad free and gain early access to episodes. All your support helps us continue making content for you and supporting our community. And we thank you in advance. And finally, if you're looking to accelerate your personal development journey, check out our new coaching collection. Learn how to heal and empower yourself at your own pace by getting instant access to 45 plus premium personal development coaching videos created by us as well as our um, by us as well as our Healing Your Shame and Building Better Relationships courses. Head to GayMenGoingDeeper.com for more info. And that concludes our conversation. Like I said, this is only the beginning. Thank you all for being with us today. We are sending you so much love and so much compassion. See you next time.